This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by Sales Fuel Coach, our adaptive sales coaching featuring five-minute quick coaching personalized to each sales rep. Learn more about Sales Fuel Coach at salesfuel.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. We're going to talk a little bit about the servant leadership lens today. I'm Audrey Strong. I am the Vice President of Communications here at SalesFuel. Lee? Yeah, I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. And yeah, Audrey, for 30 years, that's been our mission here at SalesFuel is to get people to think of salespeople in a different light. You know, not as the used car, Herb Tarlick type of uh, salesperson or the Glenn, <laughs> Gary Glenn Ross kind of thing. It's like, it's, it's like, that's not what sales really should be about. And so it's great to have a partner in uh, trying to change that perception one salesperson at a time uh, who is our guest today. It's a pleasure for me to introduce our guest. It's James Rorys. He's a sales performance expert, the CEO of Flores Group, author of the Collecting Wins Sales Methodology and founder of the Growth Multiplier Movement. He's an expert in the servant leader approach to sales and how implementing this can really grow and sustain the sales growth. Hi, James. Thanks for tuning in and joining us in the Zoom room today. Hi, Audrey. Great to be here. So you want to talk about uh, kind of the, the overwhelming umbrella of the growth multiplier, what that means and what uh, the surrogate leader approach is? Absolutely. Um, so a lot of folks uh, in, can uh, gain uh, or understand, gain an understanding of a servant leadership just by analyzing the two words, servant leader. Um, most of us, are either a servant or a leader. We either show up one of two ways. There are many of us in business especially, uh, but this can happen in our family dynamic, um, any dynamic that we find ourselves in during the day. We can show up and be the type of person that just serves, meaning um, there's an overwhelming amount of the other person or the circumstances around us that dictate how we behave. Much less of us, much more of them. Uh, there's also the leader uh, and uh, traditionally thought of as a power leader. So if that person, uh, if that person's heavy on the leadership uh, side, too much of them is involved in the dynamic of the conversation or the interaction with other folks. And they leverage their power um, really to, just to meet their own expectations, their own needs, um, accumulate authority so that they can dominate situations. Servant leader is the combination of the two. We wanna show up and be in service, but we also wanna lead the people that we're with. So we, so we like to say that we serve shared goals and we lead a buyer or an individual that we're, that we're looking to influence uh, down a shared path to change. So we serve shared goals, we lead folks down a shared path. The idea here is that is the is the key word shared, right? We are now finding a balance between the dynamics that all the individuals in the relationship bring together, and we are now building a team, and we are now fostering um, a purpose that is shared, a benefit that is shared, a dynamic that is shared, and we can now call ourselves growth multipliers. So, what do you use the term growth multiplier? Um, there's the, the principal reason we chose the word growth multiplier, Lee, 
um, was to find a different way to refer to this type of person. In a sales context, uh, there are lots of old, old phrases like consultative seller, for example. Um, when somebody shows up and is consultative, they are leveraging leadership dynamics, but growth multiplier is much more, much more um, descriptive of what we're trying to achieve, the why behind the way we show up. The other thing is that when you think about uh, you know, the, the, the common refrain out in business today is there is no I in team. Um, you know, there's a, so much of us are focused on stepping out of the power leadership mode and into a team dynamic. Growth multiplier really speaks to the fact that when we, when we um, build relationships based on servant leadership, we're really at, uh, building uh, teams at their core. And by virtue of having so many people involved in a shared goal and walking that shared path, you cannot help but multiply the effect. Uh, so a team that is run by or that is led by or that pursues this idea of everyone working as a growth multiplier will far outstrip any production that a power leader might be able to demand from his or her team. You know, I, I tend to think that the growth multiplier concept and doesn't just apply to sales where I'm going to 10x your revenue over last year, but it's also, uh, I'm going to multiply your growth within the company, your professional growth, you know, as a manager or as a coach. It's like, does that seem like that could work in that capacity as well? You're, you're, you're exactly right. In fact, you know, Robert Greenleaf, when I was going through my own kind of, um, um, the own kind of turnaround in my career when I had burnt out in sales and was looking for something new to grab onto, uh, servant leadership was that first, one of the first things that popped up for me. And Robert Greenleaf developed servant leadership as a response to the internal leadership dynamic within organizations in the 60s and 70s. Um, what, um, what's evolved, the way I've take, taken what he taught and evolved it for sales was really based on the fact that when you think about the dynamic between an employee and a employer, that dynamic is really one where the employee is a volunteer, right? In that dynamic, as a volunteer, the employee can choose to be there or not. Now, if the employee says, well, I need the job, the employee can choose whether or not he or she shows up, whether, whether or not he or she gives it their best effort. Um, the employee is a volunteer. If you think of employees as volunteers, then you must pursue a servant leader model. You must include the employee and their wants and dreams, their purpose, in the dynamic of the relationship that you create as a leader. When I learned that and thought about that, I thought, well, there's no greater paradigm or dynamic where that volunteerism <laughs> Uh, is stronger than in the relationship between a buyer and a seller. The buyer is a volunteer in that situation. I, as a, as a seller, have very little ability, typically, to, um, to uh, create and attract the authority and power required to dominate that relationship. Now, Glengarry Glenn Ross, Alec Baldwin, Coffees for Closers, we see examples of where people try to create that power leadership dynamic all the time. And maybe we can be successful here and there, but it's not, as Greenleaf identified correctly, not something that can sustain an organization, 
can sustain a relationship, can sustain a brand, can sustain growth for any length of time. Uh, and, and so I think you're absolutely correctly, and that's really, in all fairness, that's ac- actually where, um, you know, where I got the idea from was really from the dynamic that exists between employees and employers. You really boil that down internally and externally then, and you say really the approach umbrella term that you use is humanistic. So humanistic to the buyer who enjoys buying but doesn't like being sold, and humanistic within to your teams who want to be developed but want to be developed in stuff that interests them, not necessarily what you dictate they be developed on. Does that make Yes, you're exactly right. And, and why, and the question really is, as someone who walks into organizations and not only spreads um, a new concept, but actually helps organizations affect change, right? We have to change the mindsets, the skill sets, and the tool sets that leaders and teams use um, every day to create this dynamic and make and create fertile ground for this dynamic. Um, we have to... Um, we have to address the reason why don't we just naturally act this way? <laughs> why is it so hard for us to just naturally invest in the team and make room for make room for everyone who has that who has that shared goal of growth? And I think that's the really the, that's really the next step. What is it about us that makes us? And I use the phrase lazy, or you could use the word selfish. I like the word lazy because, you know, we, we've all been in a situation where it's just easier for us to demand or to dictate or to order someone to do something. It's harder. It requires more emotional control. It, it requires more developed skills to actually um, slow down and consider everyone on the team. Now, again, it, it's really important that we talk about the fact that we're not just talking about a group of people. Uh, and I'm in service to this group of people. Shared goals, shared path. We are, I'm talking about dynamic where everyone that's in this organization on this team, part of this group, has the same goal in mind. They're, they're pursuing the same purpose. Now, let's all get on the same path. That requires leadership. Let's talk, let me piggyback off of uh, Audrey's question then too. It's also, it's not just that that buyers like to buy, but they don't like to be sold. But also I I, I tend to see there's a lot of sellers out there of sellers who like to make sales, but don't like to sell. And particularly with, you know, a lot is made of the millennials and the Gen Z generations and everything like that. But, but I do believe there is a correlation there that, uh, that the, the, the younger crop of salespeople or potential salespeople that we have, you know, don't want to just make, a, you know, they, they want to work for a purpose, not just for a paycheck. So, you know, for them, I would think the servant leadership, the concept of applying that to sales would be uh, very attractive to them. I, you're, you're dead on, Lee. And, and um, you know, this is, this is the thing I think that, and I'm raising two millennials, so I, I think I kind of understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Uh, but the idea here is, you know, so let's talk about sales specifically. Um, in my experience, again, you know, 30 years in the biz, um, over 15 years as a top producer, I've built teams, I've been part of a lot of new teams, uh, coach teams. Uh, what I see out there um, are salespeople that understand their product, right? They understand their process. 
They understand the world as they see it and as they experience it. Very few salespeople um, really see the world as the customer sees it, as the customer experiences it. That's the first step. That's the first requirement of a servant leader. I must understand. I must seek to understand and also um, strive to be understood, right? In that dynamic, that mutual understanding must occur. Too many salespeople, too many leaders don't consider the other party, don't consider the customer. What's, what is, what's the uh, objective? It's not just to consider them so you can ask good questions and manipulate them to buy from you, right? I understand their needs, so I'm going to start there and then suggest my solution. It's much deeper than that. You must understand the problems they face so you can, you can understand how what you bring to market will solve that problem. This is about matching problems and solutions, and it's about putting yourself in the situation of that, of that buyer, not just doing discovery, where are you, what are you experiencing, but provoking an understanding in them of the things that they're not considering. I need, when I'm buying something that I haven't bought before or haven't bought often enough to be an expert in, I'm depending upon the salesperson to help me see the light. It would be holy, it would be ridiculous if I walked into my doctor's office after being on the internet to explore a pain in the left side of my abdomen to tell the doctor, I have a pain in the left side of my belly, I need, my, I need an appendectomy stat, when can we schedule it? The doctor must show up and say, not, hey, yeah, let's schedule that, you know, and, and count the money from the surgery. The doctor must show up and say, hey, James, your appendix is on the right-hand side. Would you mind if we think about this? And then they start asking some questions about, uh, you know, what I might be experiencing to provoke awareness in me that I didn't have when I walked in the door. That is a leadership paradigm that most salespeople lack and never develop. You know, it's not just about the, uh, the, the whole find the pain thing. Uh, I, I hear that from a lot of sales trainers and things of that nature. It makes me cringe, but it's also about, hey, I have a goal that I want to achieve. I have an objective here uh, that, I need that, that my department needs to reach, but it also goes beyond that. It's also I have a, a goal that I personally want to reach. And so it's, not a, it's just not a matter of what problem that we can solve as a salesperson, how we can help there, but also how can we help you help, help, you, help your company achieve an objective and just as importantly, and quite frankly to them, maybe more importantly, help you achieve the objective that you want to get out of this. So if I can make goal for the third time in a row, whatever, I, you know, I'm in line for this promotion or something like that, great. How can I help you get there? Exactly. So, so at, in that context, Lee, what we must realize as corporate leaders or as uh, individual contributors, as salespeople, it, success is not the transaction. Success is not convincing someone. Success is not persuading. Success is not gathering and applying influence. Success is not manipulating. Success is not the signature. Success is, we, we use the phrase, a successful buying decision is the very best recommendation you can make as a salesperson to, a, to achieve the goal that the buyer has, not to sell them your product or service. Of course, we hope that uh, our product and service is the very best choice for achieving that goal. Uh, but at the end of the day, we are not going to be evaluated based on 
whether or not we sold them a great product or service, we will always be evaluated based on the impact or the value of what that person purchased from us. Did it get me where I wanted to be? So, you know, when, um, when someone's improving their home and investing in uh, a new master bath, uh, we have to not just sell them a new master bath, we must understand why they want it. What's mm-hmm. the motivation? Why would you go through the pain and agony of having, not having your bathroom? Why would you spend the 30, 40 grand to fix it up? What is it you're trying to achieve? What's the ultimate goal? Why change? As a salesperson for a construction company, I have to know that the ultimate objective is to improve the value of the home. So as a servant leader, wouldn't I say to them, look, to improve this master bath, it's going to cost you 30, 40, 50 grand. Are you prepared to invest that money? And will you be here long enough to realize the improvement that this will make, that this will have in your, in your house? Right. And, and, and it's my responsibility to say to that person, look, if your objective is to improve the value of your home, I put it in your kitchen. That's my responsibility as a servant leader. I why, why would I do that? Audrey, go ahead. Sorry. Well, I'm going to put my practicality hat on because that's, that's just what I do. Um, so that's good luck for you. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Um, it's like the hat in Harry Potter that talks, you know. Oh, wow. Um, but so let's see for our listeners listening, they go, this is really interesting. I'm on board with this, but what, what is the additional day-to-day expenditure of time it's going to take me to implement this model versus the dictatorial model, which is what I have now. And is it more time or just a change in how we do things? Um, you know, this, yeah, that's a wonderful question. The, um, the idea that this takes longer, the idea that this is more expensive, the idea that this is less successful is an illusion. You know, the idea that you have more control through force is an illusion. Okay. It's, it's a false, it's a false thought. It's a false narrative. Because you're not hearing what they're saying about you in the break room. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. The more I try to hang on to something, the more that thing I'm trying to hang on to fights against it right? The more I piss off a client, the more angry I make them, the more, the, more, um, the more virile and angry they are when they're talking about my company on Twitter or on the internet someplace. You know, we, we have more control the more collaborative we are. The responsibility of the leader and the salesperson is to ensure that there is a shared goal. When I go out to sell, I qualify my client. Do they have a goal that I can deliver? The larger view of, the more specific view of how I qualify is, do you have a problem I can solve that must be solved now? That's how I qualify whether or not I'm gonna spend my time with this person as a leader. Is this somebody that I'm qualified to serve? Do they have a goal that I'm qualified to deliver? Now, Audrey, to your point, oh, James, there's risk in this. What about my pipeline? What about um, the deals that I have to make? You know, the, the, the uh, truths in sales that exist for power leaders also exist for servant leaders. The easiest way to de-stress as a salesperson, the easiest way to respect the customer and to not take a deal that you shouldn't is, is to not live in scarcity, is to not be afraid of not hitting your number is not to is, is to is to not have a lack of emotional control how do you do that 
the best way is to have a full pipeline. Stop thinking that your life is going to end um, if you don't close this deal. Work on having a full pipeline of qualified opportunities. Get rid of the scarcity mentality and treat people the way you will, you know, that you know you should be treating them, the way they want to be treated. So one of the things I've learned uh, the hard way actually is uh, when I do discovery uh, in the sales process, you know, I discover a need or they really need this. And then I find out, but they, they still don't buy it. It's very frustrating. And it, it turns, it, it, and it's funny because they will end up going buying something else that they don't really don't need, but something that they want to buy. It's sort of like how I tell Audrey, it's like at lunchtime, it's like, you know, I know I really need to eat a salad, but I really want to eat a donut. So guess what I'm eating for lunch? You know? Yeah, but you're stubborn. No, I'm just yeah, I, I know. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, donuts have never killed anybody, unlike lettuce lately. But anyway. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, Talk to the right. FDA. Yes. I know. So I'm wondering, though, is the, does this servant leadership concept then tie into the idea of, you know, are we looking for their needs or, or, or are we focusing more on the wants? How does that work? Well, that's a wonderful question. Um, so it sounds like what you're getting at is this idea that um, when you're out looking at food, right, you're, you're buying with your eyes, right, and your taste buds. You're not thinking about uh, what the doctor says or what the calorie count is or what the fat count is, et cetera. So, I mean, this speaks to a universal truth that um, the, the buying process is, emo is emotional um, before it's rational. Um, so, yes. Um, as a servant leader, um, I am going to be focused on what my client wants. Now, we, we define what you want as the reason to change. So the first question that exists for anyone out there who's buying anything is always, why change? The answer is, I want something. That is an emotional conversation that has feeling behind it. The servant leader is, must explore what somebody wants and why they want it and how it makes them feel. We have to understand that. Now, the beautiful part about the beautiful uh, um, benefit that this provides to us as salespeople is that we are not talking about our product. We're not talking about our solution. We're talking about the client and we're understanding who they are, where they are, and why they are. We're exploring whether or not we really can help them. So we start with those wants, and then we're always looking at the impact of achieving what they want or not. So we're looking at uh, this, the impact of success, the impact of failure, the impact of doing nothing. When we so, define impact, we're thinking about the economic definition, the strategic definition, the personal definition. We're exploring all those components of impact. By looking at wants and impacts, we are absolutely, as you said, Lee, we're having an emotional conversation, which is, where, which is where people make decisions. They make buying decisions. They support those buying decisions rationally, which is, which is now where we talk about needs and solutions. So let's talk about what's stopping you from getting there. Those are the needs. And then we can talk about the recommendation in terms of how our solution fits those needs. So, so yes, you're right. Empathy those beyond discovery. Questions. Yeah. Sorry, Audrey. I was going to say, a little empathy uh, required beyond the discovery, sounds like. Yeah, empathy, you're right, at a high level. Um, yep. One of the things that people suffer from is having too much empathy. Hmm. Um, so, 
again, it's a, a leadership paradigm is you must have empathy, but not too much. In other words, if I, I understand that you're in this horrible situation, but if I have too much empathy, then I join you in that horrible situation. I'm going to give away my product to help you out. <laughs> That's not yeah. yeah, I exactly. see what you guys are saying. I can no longer lead you, right? <laughs> well, it's floristgroup.com. James, you're James Rory's one, numeral one on Twitter. And they also, you have a florist group LLC Twitter as well. And you're on LinkedIn and Facebook and you're everywhere. How would you like people to get a hold of you if they're interested in engaging? Yeah, my, my email is excellentjames at floristgroup.com. Um, we, um, we are doing a lot on social media now. We've been, our clients over the last um, 12, 13 years have really helped us develop what we're calling now the growth multiplier movement. You can learn more about that movement on our website through social media. We'd be happy to, uh, to chat with anybody who's interested. Thanks fascinating, a lot. Fascinating discussion, James. I really appreciate you coming on board today. My pleasure. It was a delight. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.